of full moon on the, I think the 30th of January. Contemplating suffering, dukkha, and non suffering. Remember that non suffering isn't necessarily happiness. Because sometimes you, you're looking for happiness. So you, <coughs> the, the desire mind wants happiness. <laughs> so one is. If one is not happy, then one thinks you think you're suffering. You assume you're suffering. So that suffering and non-suffering is, is uh, suffering is the sign because that's where that's a condition that you that you react to that you don't want. You don't want to suffer, and then you. If you're patient with suffering, accept it, and then that sense of suffering or discontentment, whatever it is, ceases, and there's non-suffering. It's a realization. So, it, but don't think, don't don't keep assuming that uh, that happiness is the goal. Happiness is another extreme. Happiness is dependent upon conditions. What, what you regard as, ha- what you desire is happiness anyway. Actually, non-suffering is pure happiness, but it's not the happiness that you, that you perceive of. <laughs> because as you, uh, as you realize non-suffering, and that, that is a, <clears throat> It's like all-pervading bliss, but it's not happiness. It's not high. It's not uh, not getting high and, and elated and over everything. So you like nibbana, non-grasping. Is uh, <clears throat> there's grasping, and then nibbana's realization of non-grasping. Desire, raga and viraga. Desire and desirelessness. And self and selflessness. Atta, self-view and anatta, no, uh, non-self. So non-self isn't, <coughs> isn't uh, a void or a blank, but awareness when there's no grasping a, a, or view or an idea of the self. That's why you, you say mentally you're, you're observing this uh, in in the things that happen to you during the day. Just trying to, to keep this reflection. What what is first you have to really investigate self. 
me and mine, I am what I think, and so forth, and suffering, and desire, and grasping, really, really know those. We're not, we're not working from, from a, an, an idea that we shouldn't grasp or have desires or be selfish. That's, that's an ideal. How many of you work from that, that position still? <coughs> How many of you still grasp the idea that you should be somebody who, who doesn't have any desires, is not selfish, uh, doesn't grasp anything? <coughs> that is, that's the self-view, that's the grasping of a self-view. I am somebody who shouldn't have desires, and I shouldn't grasp at anything, and I should be unselfish, I should be compassionate <coughs> to all beings, and I shouldn't be angry or jealous or frightened, I should get rid of all that so that, that I will be this perfect ideal, and that you can, I keep reiterating this so that you can if you, if you can see it, see what you do, how we, it's, we just so easily slip into that role of, uh, of an ideal, grasping an idea. The idea is good, definitely. I'm not saying that you should, should uh, annihilate the idea, but know it for what it is, that it is an idea. It's a, an ideal is is a, is is a fixed view then the ref re reflective mind developing knowing that uh, that grasping of a of a view of an idea of what you should do what you should become, what you should get rid of. This is uh, Ubadana, Danha Ubadana, the desire and grasping. Bawa Danha, Vipawa Danha. So if you're gonna, going to grasp, really grasp things, like really don't be, don't, don't work from the ideal position of I shouldn't grasp anything, I shouldn't uh, be selfish, but really, uh, really, really examine grasping and selfishness. You know, I've been giving the example of how to be really selfish. Take it to, to an ultimate kind of absurdity where I'm the most important person in the whole universe and nobody else counts. What I think is more important than what you think or anyone else thinks and the way I feel is the most important uh, experience in the universe and I'm the center and I am I'm going to see that I get what I want and I have mine and, and all that take to the kind of ultimate selfish absurdity or be more like kind of the selfish Brit where you think, well I shouldn't 
I shouldn't be selfish. I should be <clears throat> more loving. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be so uh, self-concerned and self-centered. Kind of always <clears throat> uh, criticizing oneself. But but do it and really bring it into your consciousness so that you're you're aware of it as uh, you're seeing it, you're listening to it, you're knowing this is this is self view, this is atta. And <clears throat> when you're being really selfish, then what does it feel like? You know, there's a kind of feeling in your body, you know. I have to and I want and the, the self-view has a very strong effect on, on your physical formation. Anger and greed, I mean we get angry because we're selfish, don't we? Jealousy is, is, self, is a form of selfishness. It all comes from this this uh, self view, me, personality, sakaya diti. See the Bhattabaramasa, see uh, that uh, thinking that you, even by meditating, sitting for hours, you're going to attain something. That's see the Bhattabaramasa. Say it's not. We, you, you, you. you most of us don't have to worry about bowing down to golden calves, do we? We're not. Our minds aren't aren't uh, conditioned to believe that that golden images are God or anything. That's not a problem with us. It's not with me. <clears throat> I've never, never one moment of my life looked at a golden image and thought it was God. So, so that's never been a threat to my uh, purity. But the subtleties of Sila Bhattabharamasa are around forms and, and uh, ideas and principles. Views of purity. <clears throat> like this, there's, uh, there's a lot of that in the Buddhist world, isn't it? The idea of being pure. And uh, strong views about purity is those views, clinging to those views is Silabhattabharamata. Or thinking that keeping all the Vinaya rules strictly is going to purify you. Or sitting for hours in meditation, practicing hard, doing all kinds of ascetic practices. Uh, all this. It, that this is going to enlighten you and get rid of your impurities. How many of you really have a lot of that in you? How many of you really believe that that sitting meditation is uh, the more you sit, the more hours a day you sit or do formal practice, the more you will uh, be purified 
Well, it's not that, that you shouldn't sit or practice, I'm not saying that, but that attitude of, of uh, that this, this, this technique I do, this meditation technique, or these, or these uh, ceremonies, or these methods that I practice are, uh, are purifying me. Is it's a self-view very much. I'm somebody who does something to, to be pure to become pure. Silaba and Vichikicha, these are the three fetters that that prevent stream entry. Doubt, which you keep on doubt. So many of you still are so easily uh, overwhelmed with doubt. Like with uh, Sakaya Ditti and Thilabhata Paramasa and doubt, they all kind of go together. One kind of supports the other. Well, if I don't practice and do so many hours a day, then my mind will wander and then I will just get caught up with un unskillful uh, mental state, so I must practice in order to keep myself going. And, and after all, Ajahn Chah said, practice a lot, and speak little, sleep little, eat little, and practice hard. And, and uh, so what is Ajahn Sumedho talking about? He's just going against Ajahn Chah. That's, that's doubt, isn't it? You not I've, I've put doubts into your mind, and you don't understand because you're very <clears throat> because you're very much attached to the idea of practice and hard work, or that you've got to do something. You've got to you've got to get somewhere. You've got to get rid of your. You've got to kill your kilesis. So. Uh, the self-view very much. I've got to get rid of the kilesas. I've got so many <coughs> bad habits. <coughs> I've got so many defilements that this retreat, I'm really going to work on them and get rid of them. And then the <coughs> no matter how hard you work, you're still going to be faced with vichy kecha, with that attitude. From that position, from if you whatever you do from that with that as your uh, motivation you'll end up with vichikicha I guarantee it vichikicha is a it'd be a nice name for a cat wouldn't it <laughs> now, now you interpret what I say oftentimes from uh, from an ego ego position because that's what you're used to. That's how you interpret life is always from the self view. So, so be aware of that, of the conditioning of the mind. 
as that rather than as a uh, something that is true. That your conditioned mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, your beliefs, your opinions are are conditioned out of ignorance usually from, from a, how you relate, how you think about yourself and the world around you is is what arises out of avicca, avicca bhajaya sankhara. That's why you can't trust it. Don't put your faith in the in the conditioning of your mind. We've all had to. It's a, and if you put your faith or you believe the conditions of your mind, and that's your refuge, then you'll always be caught in sakaya ditti sila vichikicha. There's no possible way to realize the path until those three fetters are examined and uh, let go of. Therefore, when to to change to deliberately think in a more skillful way, <clears throat> try to change your way of thinking about yourself from I I'm angry to there is anger. That way, like the Buddhist reflective way of thought, is that rather than if you feel angry, rather than following the, the conditioned way of thinking, I'm angry, determined to, to use the, the reflective thought, there is anger. Or there is doubt, there is uh, greed or aversion, or there is grasping. Rather than I'm grasping at things or I'm greedy, you see what I mean? It's very. It helps enormously to 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 uh, just th by thinking in a more skillful way, because that's a very honest way of thinking. There is say, there is anger. Say, if I'm angry right now, there's anger. <laughs> there is anger in the in in the the mind. I say, I'm angry is the conventional way. That's how we're. Condition. I'm angry. I'm really angry with you. And that's how. That's the conventional way of thinking and talking, and we all understand that on a conventional plane. But as a reflection, to see it, to get away from the, from all the kind of um, conditions around it that make it seem like seem very personal. You change it to there is anger. Anger is like this. There is greed. There is grasping. There is confusion. There is uh, desire. Then realization. There's no no suffering. There's no desire rather than, oh, I'm not suffering anymore and I don't have any more desires. I've realized Nibbana. I just, 
I just realized, uh, I just saw non-grasping, so I'm, I realized that I must be an arahant. Bypassed the whole sotapanna sequence up to... And people do that in the monastic life. A lot of kind of pseudo-arahants bopping about. People at that uh, have figured it out and and then uh, really like to to, to uh, think of themselves as arahants. But the thought I am an arahant is absolutely a pointless thought, isn't it? It just doesn't make sense. If you're if you are uh, if you understand the Dhamma, <clears throat> so anybody who says, says I am an Arahant, don't you know there there couldn't possibly be. <laughs> That's a definite sign they're not, because that that I am business is not uh, is uh, you know is is. That we one one doesn't think in those terms. The more reflective you are on understanding of Dhamma, that that sense of I am doesn't make sense. I mean, one still uses it as a as a as a for conventional situations. I am hungry, or I have to go to London, or things like this. I mean, one can be a bit silly by saying there is. There is the opportunity to go to London today, and this physical formation must. <coughs> so one can use the conventional con uh, conditioning. It's fair enough, but to know it, to know what it is, and to realize how how easily we believe that I am somebody who has to go to London, or I am. Uh, somebody who has to get rid of the defilement. So I am uh, somebody who isn't an arahant. Some of you are so, uh, you know, you're so frightened of of overestimating your practices, your 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 realizations that you, well, of course, I'm not even a sotapanna. <laughs> oh, I'm would dare to even assume that I could ever become an arahant. <laughs> and this kind of thing is a, a, a kind of false modesty too, because I am not an arahant, or I am one, is is the same problem. It's the same the same view, isn't it? Only positive, negative. To try to become an arahant is, is somehow missing the whole point, it's because the the becoming process that's all based on ignorance. Recognize that the kind of skillful way the Buddha taught in in his teachings; these are all quite clear. But as oftentimes as they become translated into English, then the English. Uh, 
I mean, the translators tend to interpret uh, the Pali in English patterns, which uh, convey mm -hmm. still a strong sense of self, or becoming, or, or uh, desire, this kind of, this, the process of becoming, becoming an arahant, becoming enlightened, becoming uh, uh, sotapanna. So Witsi Kichan, observe that, like I've so many times encouraged you to, to uh, observe the, the doubting state. Not being sure, uncertainty, insecurity. Just uh, turn to this note, this is, there is this feeling of just insecurity and uncertainty. It's like, feels like this. Then you can investigate what, what is it that knows this feeling, that can observe this feeling? What is it that, that can reflect on that feeling of feeling insecure? <clears throat> what is it that is it feels insecure? that knows, that is observant. And so, that's Buddha, that's the refuge in Buddha and the refuge in Dhamma, Buddha seeing the Dhamma. That's why all these teachings are called Dhamma teachings, the five hindrances are Dhamma, Dhammas, and the, and the whole lot is considered Dhamma because you're, you're, uh, there's the, these, Vichikecha, when seen as an object, as for what it is, is dhamma, and that it's impermanent. It's a, it's a san, it's sankata dhamma, it's a dukkanata. And that which knows, that's refuge in Buddha. It's not I am the Buddha, seeing the dhamma, because that 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 way of thinking doesn't work anymore, does it? I've, I've spoiled that for you on this retreat, haven't I? <clears throat> way of thinking, I am, or these other, the little Buddha inside my heart kind <clears throat> of thinking. We don't even need to do that. Kind of sentimental, uh, sentimentalizing it. It's not a matter of, of believing that there's a little Buddha or Bodhisattva in your heart, but because this is a direct path, Ujjupatipanoa, direct knowing that we're, that we're realizing this wonderful gift we have, this opportunity. So it's, it's really marvelous that somebody like this creature sitting here can can actually practice and 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 can know things, know dhamma, that there's an ability to know and see and understand truth within these within this seemingly, seemingly very imperfect state and and that we're born into.
then it's to practice with that that sense of 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 observe of observing witnessing that's the the bodhi tree the axis mundi the center point the still point the center of the universe did you ever think you were the center of the universe Relatively, that's the case, aren't we? We, for this lifetime, this is the center here. As far as as experience of life goes, for this for this formation, it's not megalomania where I am the center of the universe. That's the ego, isn't it? Overestimation, an ego, egotistical statement. But re- recognize we're working from a relative position, relative uh, to the fact to the to the forms that we're that we are comically bound to and influence us. So we, we that's why the sitting posture, the sense of sitting under the Bodhi tree, and the um, that's a symbol. Of the Bodhi tree is a tree of enlightenment. Roots in the ground, isn't it a Bodhi tree? Its roots are deep into the soil of the planet, and its branches reach up towards the heavens. And then we say we sit under the Bodhi tree is, a, is the symbol for being mindful. Is to sit your your head your you're well kind of stabilized, you're sitting on the on the ground, on the planet, Earth, but your spine is going straight up like the trunk of the Bodhi tree, in alignment with the Bodhi tree, so that you're in touch with the heavens, with the divinity. So that is that is the mind way of mind that means being mindful. And then the uh, reflection on the way it is, all that is subject to arising is subject to ceasing, is, is the practice of Dhamma, seeing the Dhamma, rather than trying to get enlightened. So don't, don't put away that view of, of, trying to, of being somebody who's trying to become enlightened by just taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, that's your refuge. Develop that sense of refuge will help you enormously and uh, to get beyond the kind of conditioned view of I'm somebody who has to do something in order to become enlightened. Because the refuge is immediate now, it's not not next next week or when you get your samadhi together or when you become something else. It's always here and now. This sense of the Pachubana Dhamma or Santitiko Akaliko Dhamma. And it's not very much like like seeing Dhamma isn't isn't absolutely fantastic or absolutely extraordinary. 
is it? It's, we're not, we're not looking, we're not kind of trying to see things that are absolutely extraordinary, but, but uh, being aware of, of just the movement and change and feeling, conditioned dhammas, sangata dhammas, as a Nietzsche anatta, and a realization of their absence, or realization of non-grasping, realization of no self, realization of desirelessness. Now with realization of anatta, then you have perspective for self when it arises. Like you still have, one still has a, you know, can have emotional reactions and all that. Like one can still feel very threatened or, or can easily get caught up into the old habits, uh, selfish habits. But you know, you, with the realization of anatta, you, you're, you're aware of it. You have it in a perspective. So trust in that, it's that way of knowing and reflecting. That's your refuge, that's your place to abide and be. And when you, when you leave that refuge to go out into the world of passions, then you're going to suffer. So then you're caught in the samsara vata, the endless cycles of suffering. Until you suddenly realize, oh, suffering, yes, I, there's all this misery and, and all that in my mind and because I've been reborn into samsara again. So then take refuge again. No matter how many uh, times you, uh, you fail, keep taking the refuge. Keep reflecting on refuge rather than thinking about how hopeless you are. Because that's another delusion of the mind. I'm hopeless. I'm just so hopeless I can't do it. And I'm such a mess and I and uh, all the others seem to be able to do it but I can't. And that's another delusion of the mind. Well, it's 
personality, being a person. So that you, you, uh, because that's uh, personality is uh, is a condition, culturally conditioned. So I am the body. I am the feelings. I am the perceptions. I am the volitions. I'm consciousness. All that is is the personality view. <coughs> Then the the mano, manaditi is uh, is more, it's still a sense of being, but it's like as you, like the, the. It's a, but it's a subtle sense of, not not a self, but of being of being. But sakayaditi is. Uh, I would I prefer to use it as a. As a uh, for for all those kind of grasping conditioned selves, the coarse views that we have from uh, our cultural conditioning. Because I found it like the, with the Wichikicha also, if you, you have to, the, that basic doubt uh, about yourself is, uh, if like like if you, uh, that that way of thinking about yourself, I'm somebody who has to do something. And uh, I've got to get rid of these fetters, and um, that's the way we we tend to think and talk. So, so as as long as that that operates, then there's always this. No matter how much you practice, there's always going to be that that sense of uh, of uh, there's going to be wichikicha as a fetter. It's when you can actually uh, see that. Doubt, uh, and the self-doubt, because the self-doubt is a, is such a strong one. It's so convincing. Uh, at least I found it so. You know, you're constantly kind of having to deal with this sense of yourself and who do you think you are, and and do I dare, and and uh, you know the. Uh, Things that would come up and and make you feel insecure as a person, make you doubt what you're doing, make you feel insecure. Well, then that that just that blocks total block to uh, to developing the path. Because when you when you uh, attach to that, then you then that you become obsessed, even with your purity or your or your practice, or your, or the fact that you don't feel you can, you know, your own worth or your worthlessness. 
So that the, the like just the body alone isn't. If you can, uh, because I don't think the body for me isn't so much wasn't so difficult to see as the not self, but the uh, the um, thoughts, feelings are very difficult. Because there's always this kind of emotion, sense of this is important, this is this is real, you, uh, an urgent uh, emotional feeling was would always go on in the mind, and that was uh, that was what I, what one had to really watch, get to see as an object. Because even like after like Thilabhata Brahmatha, the Sakayaditi Thilabhata Brahmatha, which is Kicha, then, then, um, then the uh, what? What's the next? The lessening of the two of greed and uh, aversion, and then the Arahant. Uh, is where all of all of the fetters have disappeared from the uh, attachment to <laughs> to the form and formless realms, and then restlessness, mana, <coughs> what is it, mana ditti, and uh, avicca, the last one. So even like the, that sense of that compulsion I've been talking about is uh, that uh, I'm somebody. I mean, it's not not in a thought so much as a as an attitude, an, a kind of subtle attitude uh, is it, what I would recall as mana, as the as mana, titimana. It's not. It's not a conceit in a, in in, ter- in words in in uh, you know. But it's uh, it's more of an attitude that one is working from. So that uh, that's why the practice uh, meditation of coming from from this ditimana. Of I'm. That's why I was trying to uh, kind of bring this out a way of of looking at this. If even your kind of attitude about practice, because you know we've all had gone at this practice from from um, from that from that uh, attitude of have me of me being somebody who must practice, and and because that seems so right, and that's oftentimes the way our teachers have taught that we. That we we don't even question that that uh, we don't see that that, that that it is an attitude that that uh, keeps us bound to to the, um, to 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 an attitude. I mean, our practice is always coming from from a, a, that subtle sense of of compulsion, having to do it. 
should, shouldn't. So that you're, by noting that, like, like, uh, I found just by being aware of that, 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 uh, that attitude, that the whole, that practice is very much more, I mean, is, is, is that it coming from that sense of compulsion always makes practice uh, into some unpleasant experience. Or even when it becomes pleasant, then then you you feel a loss when you have to say, when you've come up from a really good meditation, what you call a good meditation, where you've had maybe a very peaceful or blissful time, out into the real world, then you have a sense of disappointment or or despair because of that that delusion. Because even your your practice, even your good practice, is has been the result of a delusion, of an attitude that you've not seen, you've not recognized as a fetter. So these these ten fetters don't don't think of it just on the level of have I realized Sotapanna? Do I dare investigate the last fetters that keep in a, keep you from our hunchship? <laughs> I mean the whole that. Uh, the mind easily slips into that, into that, you know. Saying deluded, I'm somebody who has a lot of attachment. But when they say when you prep, like a, say tonight when we sit, till midnight. Use that perception of uh, like the observance day and uh, then the sitting till midnight, afternoon night, and uh, <coughs> what and the the idea that what that brings up in mental conditions of <clears throat> of having to do something. And I've noticed when, whenever I, like in an all-night sitting, if, when, when I start an all-night sitting from, from the view of self, I have to practice tonight and stay here all night. I have to be an example to the rest of you. Because if I get up and leave, then the rest, then you probably get up and leave too. So I've got to stay here all night, otherwise you won't. That's how Kiki's mind works. <laughs> You're always thinking, if I don't stay, I'll leave or what? If I, when the cat's away, the mice will play. 
and you want to be you want to be responsible, you want to set a good example. You don't want to um, let people down. So from all these these kind of self views and all that sitting can be pretty uh, miserable experience. Because the whole uh, the whole uh, reason for doing it is based on a sense of self, maybe kind of noble ideas of, of being a good teacher and responsible and setting a good example. And not these are quite, uh, you know, good uh, good things to do in themselves. But as a position to take, it makes you pretty miserable, resentful sometimes. Start resenting everyone. Because if I feel that I'm responsible for you, and, and if I if I don't uh, if I'm not perfect and set a perfect example, then you're you're going to uh, become disillusioned, or you're going to follow uh, things that aren't uh, very good examples. Then one starts resenting it having to, to always, you know, live one's life for others on, a, on that, with that attitude of always having to, to be impeccable and perfect for everyone else is a real burden. So that you, one contemplates that, pinpoints that, knows that as, as, a, as an attitude of mind rather than as a position to take. Then... Uh, then, when when I sit, or if I and all I'm sitting, if there's, if I if there, you know, I'm feeling normal, then there's uh, if there's no, if one relinquishes the compulsiveness of that, that I've got to do anything at all, and if that once you not suppress it, not suppressing it. Then there's a, a quite a uh, one has a very usually very peaceful mind. Like be, having being being somebody who's responsible and and having to be a teacher. And, be an example, is it? That those are those are uh, quite as as grasp, uh, grasping of those attitudes, one feels really burdened by it. But that doesn't mean that we don't do that. But it means that that you once you recognize. The attitude of mind as an attitude, you can even grasp it. This being here now is enough in itself. You don't have to, there's no need to become anything more. The more you, 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 are, you develop that sense of refuge, those refuges, then one is, the more you feel at ease wherever you are and whatever you have to do. So you, you have a refuge wherever you are, any time, any place. You feel you have it. You feel supported in the sense of being at ease. But if you don't have a refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and it's all coming from, from, 
me having to do this, then then it all gets very heavy and onerous, difficult, complicated, burdensome. Whatever you do, giving a talk, having to teach a retreat, having to work, doing the dishes, having to clean the toilet, having to get up in the morning, having to make your robes, having to go on an arms round. All these things become um, just really can become one can just go very negative about having to do anything because uh, that the attitude is, is on I have to do something. They want me, I must. They expect me. I have to. A good monk is this way, a good nun is that way. You must. And these are, this is heavy, isn't it? Like you, sometimes you get the Vinaya readings and they come across really heavy. Remember in Thailand, listening to the Vinaya sometimes, you say, oh, I don't want to be a monk. What a pain in the neck all the time. You must, you mustn't do this, and if you do that, it's too set, too passive. And if you, if you say that, it's, if you say that, it's too prasida, and then it's dukkita, and then it's tulajaya, and then it's bhajitiya. And some of the monks used to get really enthusiastic, you know. Look it up. <laughs> that is a tulajaya to me. <laughs> all the time, oh, it's just like a, in this, uh, in this uh, place where, you know, if you make one false move, you do dukada or something, you, know. you kind of feel oppressed by, by the conventions of trying to become a good monk and be responsible and uh, be pure and, and uh, be honorable. All these are, are kind of ennobling motivations, but as that attitude from the self position, they can really be onerous and heavy. Really oppressive, you know, discipline, morality and discipline. Taken from I must do it, I have to, becomes, it becomes oppressive, it oppresses your mind. You become worried and, and tense and nervous about everything. So that, that recognize it's, it's nothing wrong with the discipline of morality, it's the attitude based on ignorance that, uh, that, is, that takes you to despair or to that feeling of being somebody who's oppressed. Because <coughs> when I really contemplated my life, and say we're at Wagbapo, outside of the Vinaya readings, quite liked it. <laughs> it wasn't oppressive. It was quite nice, little monks and little child and all that. As an experience, uh, outside of the Vinaya readings, it wasn't oppressive. 
But then the way oftentimes Vinaya was presented to us, it, it, during those readings, you just felt, you felt this, like you're being squashed by it. Because the interpretation was always from a, from a sense of, uh, of an ego, me, uh, me and mine. I have to. I have to keep all these rules. I have to become pure. I have to get rid of the kilesis. I can't do this. I have to do that. And that way of thinking, taking it to, say, being a, a senior monk or a teacher and that, then, then if you don't, if you don't check it out before then, then you're, then you're really, whatever you have to do is going to be flavored with that kind of sense of oppression, dutifulness and, and uh, loyalty and, and uh, having to, always, always trying to, 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 uh, to do your share and be, <coughs> become something and, and, uh, is it, and in the British mind and so much of this sense of being a, a nuisance, isn't it? Because the British are, have those kind of uh, ideals, then the, the result of that is this sense of if they can't pull their weight or do their share, then they, I'm, I'm a nuisance to everyone. And they, they feel guilty all the time about being, if they're sick or they, they, they have a, they feel weak or they're injured or they can't do something, then they say, oh, I'm sorry for being such a nuisance. I really don't want to be a nuisance. When I get old, I just don't want to be a nuisance. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to have to... Because I always want to pull my weight. Um, uh, make my way. Do my share. Uh, do what is fair, what is right. These are noble ideals. And the point of this morning thought, reflection, is the sense of a self, an unrecognized sense of self connected with all that, you, you just feel, you, you will feel oppressed even by your idealism, and, and nobility will become another form of oppression for you. 